today. It's about time. It's about time. You see, for the last two months, as we've studied the life of Samson, we found this man who struggles with his calling to be the kind of man that God called him to be. God made him born to deliver the nation of Israel. Samson was born to be set apart for the glory of God. But Samson's service to the Lord was routinely hindered by sins that defiled his life. You see, Samson had a weakness. Samson had a weakness for ungodly women. And it was that weakness, that desire that continually hampered Samson's usefulness to God and eventually cost him. It eventually cost him his freedom, his ministry, and ultimately his life. In our glass glimpse of Samson, we're shown that Samson is in love with another ungodly woman named Delilah. And Delilah tricked Samson into revealing the source of Samson's incredible strength to his enemies. You see, Samson's strength was not in his hair. His strength came from his commitment to God that was symbolized by his uncut hair. And when Samson allowed Delilah to cut his hair, Here's what Samson was saying. He was saying, my commitment to sin is far greater than my commitment to God. Now, before we get up on our high horse and look down at Samson, you need to remember that every time you knowingly sin, that is, in essence, what we're saying. My commitment to sin is far greater than my commitment. As a result of Samson's sin, God removed his hand from Samson's life and allowed Samson to be captured by the Philistines who bound him, who gouged out his eyes, who imprisoned him and forced him to grind grain like a low slave. Thankfully, the story don't stop there. Thankfully, Samson's story doesn't conclude there because Samson's life reminds you and I that no matter how far you may fall, no matter how far you may fall, as long as you are God's child, you're still his. You're still his, and he has a plan to bring you back. We need to know that. Boy, that should encourage every one of us here today. Why? Because we all fail. Amen? Let me rephrase that. We all fail. Amen? Amen. Much better. And sometimes, like Samson, we fail big time. Amen? Amen? We're all like that Christian sometimes that said, you know, I don't fail the Lord 
the Lord often, but when I do, it's a beauty. Amen. You see, successful Christians, successful Christians are not people who never fail. Successful Christians are people who, when they do fail, repent. They turn away from their sin. They turn their hearts toward God. They get back up, and they go forward with the Lord. So as we consider this last message about Samson, in this last message in the book of Judges, you're going to say, it's about time. If you would, go with me to Judges chapter 16. That's going to be page 234 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along. Judges chapter 16. I'm going to begin in verse 19 of that chapter. And I'm going to ask you to follow along with me as we think about it's about time. Verse 19. Then Delilah lulled Samson to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I'll just go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from then the Philistines took him up and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he began became a grinder in the prison. And this may be the greatest word in the Bible. However, it reminds me of the words in the book of Romans that say, but God. However, in verse 22, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, and they said, Our god has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their god, for they said, Our god has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. And so they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Verse 26, Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, and he said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars, which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the Lord's and on all the people who were in it. So that the dead that Samson killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all of his father's household came down and took him 
brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the tomb of his father Manoah, for he had judged Israel for 20 years. So, in his infinite wisdom, God thought it was about time. God thought that it was about time for Samson to be restored. And the power revealed in Samson's restoration is found in verse 22. However, the Bible says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. See, after a while, the hair that was a symbol of Samson's Nazarite vow to God began to grow back. The regrowth of Samson's hair reminds you and I that Samson's fellowship with the Lord could indeed be broken, but his relationship with God never could. That's the wonderful picture that I think we see here in Samson's restoration. The regrowth of Samson's hair is a picture of this truth. This truth that although Samson was in a prison of his own making, God wasn't done with Samson. The grace of God had allowed Samson to live long enough for his hair to grow back so that God's plan could be accomplished in Samson. However, we do see a problem. There is a problem in Samson's restoration. You see, Samson's hair grew back. But it was a slow process. The average growth rate of the human hair is about one-eighth of an inch. One-eighth of an inch per week. That means your hair may grow about six inches in a full year. To grow hair down to one's waist would take about six years. Unless you're taking a lot of vitamin E. Amen? All that means is that Samson was in the process of restoration for a very, very long time. Samson's return, Samson's redemption, Samson's restoration did not come instantly. No, it took a long time. Now, friend, there are four things that I want to share with you this morning about this restoration process. Because one day you may find yourself in Samson's shoes. And you're going to be looking to be restored by God. And you're going to need to know some truth about this restoration process. The first thing about this restoration process is this. If you have sinned, if you have failed the Lord even in a very grievous or a very public way, you need to know that restoration is possible. It is possible, but it ain't happening overnight. It is possible because while forgiveness of sin can come instantly, restoration may take a long while. So restoration is possible, but it's probably going to take a long time. Sin takes a tremendous toll on everybody that's involved. 
It takes time to earn back the trust of people that you wounded by your sin. So restoration is possible, but it may take a while. Number three, you need to know that huge failures in your life are not the result of some sudden fall in the sin. Quite the contrary. Huge failures typically are the final result of a long period of disobedience. It doesn't happen like that. It's typically a pattern of disobedience. It takes time to replace good habits with bad ones. Conversely, it takes time to replace good bad habits with good ones. It takes time to change the way that people think. It takes time to transform the way that we live. So these failures are not the results of some sudden fall into sin. Rather, they're a pattern of disobedience. Restoration is possible. It's going to take a while. And it didn't happen all of a sudden. But this is the big one. While sin can be forgiven, while the sinner can be made right with God in every way, forgiveness does not cancel the consequences of sin. Are you hearing me, church? Forgiveness does not cancel the consequences of sin. How do you know, Bill? Well, check it out. Samson's hair grew back, didn't it? Right? His hair grew back. But guess what? He was still bound. Samson's hair grew back. But guess what? He was still blind. Samson's hair grew back. But he was still in prison. Samson's hair grew back. But he was still grinding grain like a slave. In other words, sin leaves scars. Sin leaves scars. Scars, and some of those scars that sin leaves behind may never fully heal. In fact, sin brings consequences that may follow us all the way to the grave. Ask me how I know. But listen, God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater. grace is greater. Will you say that with me? God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater than all our sin. So this passage tells us and challenges us to avoid sin at all costs, but also to trust God to help us be the people that God saved us to be. So God thought that it was about Samson to be restored. However, before Samson got restored, it was time. It was about time that Samson reaped what he had sowed. The Bible says that the Philistines are drunk. They're drunk in the temple of their god, Dagon. 
They're looking for a good time. And so they bring Samson in to perform for them like, like some circus freak. So God's man was shamefully degraded. They no longer fear Samson. They ain't scared of him. They don't fear him like the mighty, undefeatable judge of Israel that he once was. They no longer see him as a threat to their way of life. They bring him in so they can laugh at him. They bring him in so they can make fun of him. Man, don't you know that Samson felt worthless? Don't you know that Samson felt just utterly humiliated? While he was living his high life in sin, man, he couldn't see the danger that was lurking nearby. But now, now he sees it clearly. But guess what? It's too late. It's too late. See, sin has turned this mighty, fearsome warrior into a clown. Sin has transformed this man of legends into a punchline for God's enemies. sin will do in your life and mine. Sin has the power to defeat us. It has the power to demoralize us, to degrade us, and to diminish everything we do. But it wasn't only Samson who got diminished, because we also learned that God's glory was severely diminished. Because Samson was defeated, God's enemies glorified their own God. Because Samson was defeated, God's enemies gave their own God credit for the victory. Did you see it there in verse 23 and 24? They rejoiced and said, Our God! Our God is delivered into our hands, Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God is delivered into our hands. Our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. Samson learned something that you and I ought to learn. And that is, the things that God's people do either glorify him or diminish him. The things that God's people do either glorify God or diminish his glory in the eyes of a lost world. Nothing has changed. If you and I belong to the Lord, we are called to never do anything, friend, that would dishonor the name of the Lord. Never. We who do know the Lord should always strive to do nothing that would diminish the glory in those that do not know the Lord. So let me ask you this question. Save them from their sin. What are you so?
it was time for Samson to be restored. It was also about time that he reaped what he had sown. And friends, finally, and finally, it was about time for Samson to retaliate. Samson stands before his enemy, a mere shell of a man that he once was. Yet in his humiliation, what does Samson do? He pours out his heart to the Lord. Samson pours out his desire to God. Let's read it in verse 26 again. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. So what does Samson pray for? Well, he prays for strength. That's good, right? But he's praying for strength to get vengeance on those that have put out his eyes. So he's still thinking selfishly, but at least Samson's heading in the right direction now, right? He's calling out to God. Samson wants to see God's enemies destroyed. And that, of course, is why Samson was born to begin with. To destroy the enemies of God. You see, there are times, friends, when you and I will fall into sin. And when we do, it is so easy for uh, us to allow that time of sin to keep us from seeking God. But listen, seeking the Lord is the only way to be restored. God is our only hope of restoration. we got to get to him. We gotta be honest with him about our sin. We gotta turn our backs on sin and turn our hearts toward God. And when we do, the promise of Scripture is that he will hear us and the process of restoration can begin. Listen, friends, your sin does not have to define you. Your sin does not have to define you. Your fall does not need to be the only thing that people remember about your life. Your sin, friend, is not the last word. You can reach up to God, and He in His grace will accept you, He will cleanse you, and He will begin what sometimes is a very lengthy process. Of restoration. And he does that so that he can use you again for his glory. Samson's suffering caused him to sit back and examine his life. He had a lot to think about. He had a lot of time to think about all that he had done. So if you think about it, think about this. In effect, Samson's bondage resulted in his freedom. Samson's blindness caused him to finally see the light. And 
Samson returned to Gaza, and God used him one more time. Samson is empowered for one final deed for God's glory. Verse 29 tells us about it. Then Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he, he braced himself against them, one on his right, one on the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so that the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his whole life. Samson asked this young man to help him to find the support pillars of the building. Then Samson calls on the Lord, and he begins to push with all his might. Philistines are amused. They're amused as they watch Samson pushing against the pillars. Can you hear them laughing? <laughs> Listen to him calling on his God. Oh, my, my, my. They're not worried. They ain't scared of Samson no more. Samson's a has-been. Samson's all washed out. Samson is a nobody. But then, as Samson prays, the Lord answers his prayer. And the temple of Dagon comes crashing down, killing, get this, 3,000 Philistines. 3,000 of the enemy. Yeah, Samson dies too. But he kills more of God's enemy that day than he had killed in his whole life. And scripture records that he had killed about 1,030 people up to that point. So he killed nearly three times as many at his death than he did in the course of his life. But that's not the point. The whole point is this. God used Samson again. He used Samson again. Friend, listen, when you're turning away from sin and you're turning your heart toward God and you get cleansed from sin and you get restored by the Lord, he will use you again. That's the promise of the Bible. Samson's desire was for strength, to honor God just one more time. One more time. And Samson's deed proved it. Proved that God wanted to use him once again. So friends, we close the story of Samson. And we conclude the narrative in the book of Judges by learning much from Samson's death. Last verse and we'll close. And his brothers and all of his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Samson, the mighty judge, was dead. His family comes down to Gaza and they dig through the rubble to find the broken and battered man of God because they want to give him a proper burial. Now chances are that your sins 
won't lead to the events that mark Samson's life. In fact, your sins, more than likely, when you fall, you're going to seek the Lord in repentance. You're going to turn away from that sin and turn your heart toward God. God's going to forgive you and restore you, and then he's going to use you again for, you, for his glory. Chances are that you're not going to die while carrying out the will of God for your life. But if there's a lesson that Samson's life ought to teach every one of us here today and every one of us listening this morning, it is this. Sin carries a high price. Sin carries a high price. So if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. Amen. Because if you're going to uh, engage in a sinful lifestyle, then you will have to pay the consequences. Are you hearing me? If you're going to engage in that junk, if you're going to engage in that sinful lifestyle, you better be ready to pay the consequences. And not only consequences in your life, but consequences in your kids' lives. Consequences in your marriage life. Consequences in your family life. In your church life. In your community's life. Consequences in the life of the lost world that you live in. Prepare to pay those consequences if you're going to engage in that sinful lifestyle. It's a high price. But there's another lesson that we're afforded here, and that is that sin does not have to rule in your life. It's up to you. Sin is real. Temptation is real. But so is the Holy Spirit of God. And you have a choice whether you're going to allow sin to rule in your life. There is a God in heaven who adores you he loves you in spite of any mistake you've ever made, in spite of any sin you've ever committed. He adores you, and he wants to give you an opportunity to turn away from that sin, turn your heart toward God, be forgiven, and ultimately be restored. So my question for you this morning is this. question that everybody in here knows the answer to. I don't know the answer to your question, but you do. Where are you in your walk with God? Are you even a child of God? John said that as many as received him, Jesus, he gave, God gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. So have you received Jesus as your Savior? Do you know that heaven is your home? Have you become a child of God? Do you believe in the name of Jesus? If not, isn't it about time? 
And if it's not, are you living as close to him as you should be? If you have received the Lord as your Savior, you have become a child of God, and you do believe in the name of Jesus, are you living as close to him as you used to be? If you've received, become, and believe, do, are you living as close as you want to be? If not, isn't it about time? Maybe you're facing an especially, especially difficult kind of testing right now. God wants you to know that you can come to him right now. That you can come to him right now for the help you need. You can come to him for the forgiveness you may need. You may come, you can come to him for the restoration process to begin. You can come to him right now for the salvation you may need. My question 